The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Last week, an EU Commission report revealed that Ireland is underperforming in protecting our wildlife. The report said in none of the 10 sites examined in Ireland were there adequate conservation measures in place to protect the species at risk. Now, joining me now is President of the Tree Council, Environmental Consultant Aina Lilana. Aina, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you doing? I'm doing grand, thank you. I'm looking at uh, one of the tables uh, at my disposal, the 10 countries, Slovakia, Hungary, Spain, France, Finland, Poland, Romania, Italy, Latvia in last place, Ireland, in terms of setting conservation objectives and measures. Now, the implementation might be a different story, but if you're not setting, you can't implement. Well, this this is a story, actually, that was carried in the journal. But the the report that it talks about isn't isn't actually a recent report. I I mean, it seems to be out for quite some time, because, in fact, um, it's talking about um, SPAs, which are in which are the special protection areas which were set up under the birds directive in 1979 and we actually have now 233 of these SPAs and six offshore SACs as well but there's SPAs and they were set up particularly for birds so they they they're really important because our birds and you know, they go to Europe they come back they're not in boundaries the way flowers might be or plants or things like that which were protected from 1990 onwards under the Habitats Directive, which was SACs. But the SPAs go back a long time, and they're really, really important because in Ireland, a lot of them are of international importance, seabird colonies, wading places for wading birds, where Ireland has international numbers of these. So it is important to actually have um, conservation objectives and and measures for them indeed. Now, the question is, how do you protect? For example, some of the sites they talk about, uh, uh, the Skelligs, for example, Puffin Island, uh, there are lots of Puffin, I presume, there, but I don't know who the predator is. Why do they die if they are uh, falling in numbers? Is there anything that's site-specific that's causing uh, their decline? Well, not necessarily. I mean, in a lot of cases, it's it's the fact of the lack of food. I mean, our puffins are declining because they can't catch enough food to feed their young with. It has to do with, with the, the small um, fish that you see them with them draped over their beaks, those little sand eels. They, they, they have become um, less common in our waters because the waters of our oceans are heating up. So you can have lovely nest sites and kid me, the fortune is up to them. But if they can't feed their young, that isn't much good, you know. And of course, the other thing then, I mean, there was re-raw, ruly, ruly about Skellig when they were doing all that filming on it and there had to be great um, care taken that the filming wouldn't, wouldn't coincide with the nesting season. Mm-hmm. And of course, the nesting season is the summertime when they wanted to do the filming. So it isn't always, it isn't always rats, you know, that are killing the, the birds and eating their eggs. Um, the question is, if you're charged with, uh, you know, uh, encouraging the puff and decline uh, in your SPAs, but it's not your fault. I mean, okay, global warming is a global problem, but it's not really what Ireland is burning that's causing the sea temperature to rise. It's what everyone else plus Ireland is burning. So is it right to criticise us for those site-specific issues when, you know, they are not, the cause is not site-specific, it's, it's global? This is the thing. I mean, the idea is that each of these special protection areas are meant to have a site-specific conservation objective. And as I said, we have we have something like um, 
for three hundred many hundreds as I say two hundred and thirty three of these now we actually have site specific um plans in place for fifty one of them and another four of this week I was looking at the um National Parks and Wildlife Service. They're the people who are in the department who who do the work on this. Now the department is now the Department of Housing. But I mean if you have if you have an organization like I mean a, a section of the department the National Parks and Wildlife Service who are ch- who are charged with looking after these. I mean it depends on how much staff you have, how much money you get. I mean how well funded are many people are in the National Parks and Wildlife Service to be able to do all of this work. Mm. Considering, as I said, we have we have 233 um, SPAs and we have site-specific um, conservation objectives just for um, 50, yeah. 55 or some 59 or um, some, you know. So, like, I mean, it's a matter of, of resources and, and money, too, as well, and whether this is considered to be an important way of spending the government spending its money on, on mm. these kind of things. So it does go back to political decisions as well as everything else, you know, but... Is it appropriate that the National Parks and Wildlife Service should be in the Department of Housing? Because the conflicts there would be quite obvious. Uh, the Department of Housing wants to push, 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 build as many housing um, estates and apartment blocks as it possibly can, uh, whereas the National Parks and Wildlife Service might want to protect species on those very sites where the government is pushing to build. Oh, sure. I mean, what's in the name? I mean, the poor LMPWS, the, the National Parks and Wildlife Service, every time there's a new government change, they're in something else. There, were, there was Duke, Duke, Duke at one point, which was a great thing. They're in, they're in Department of the Environment. Now, I don't think we even have a Department of the Environment at all. That's mixed up with something else. But, I mean, the unit is the same. It just goes to hold the bolus from yeah. one to, to, moniker to another. Be, so because I don't expect you, you could imagine... People are coming into them and saying, don't be doing this or that. I imagine they're entities in themselves in the department, yeah. you know? People might think that the Department of Agriculture would be the appropriate place, um, given that's all about land use and so on. But then there are conflicts between farmers and endangered species. Uh, They want to maximise the output from their land, uh, which might involve destroying hedgerows. There's all of that as well. And in fact, you know, farmers can remove 500 metres of hedgerow on their land without having to get any consent or permission for doing this, which seems which seems an awful lot. I mean, 500 metres of hedgerow without having any sort of assessment of anything done on that seems to be uh, too lax, really. Now, they can only do it, obviously, in the in the, um, the non-breeding season. They can't obviously do it in the summertime. But still, it is a huge amount of hedgerow removal that's allowed. And there's always the conflict between a farmer wanting to farm his land and get a crop and make money and leaving space for wildlife, which is not seen by the farmer, perhaps, in the same light as making his farm work. Mm. So there's obviously conflict there. And people want land to be conserved for for wildlife. Well, then the farmer must be compensated for this. Why should he be giving um, land for the wildlife that he could be using to farm and losing money himself if if that's what the policy is that has to happen? Well, then, and he happens to own the land, he should be compensated for it being... We have texters uh, talking about hedgerows and the safety on the roads and so on. And there's no problem. There's a certain time of the year when you can have a go at the hedgerows that might be overgrowing into the traffic lane. But you don't do it, do it at any stage around the nesting season. That's the rule. 
Yeah, but also, I mean, the, the, the hedgerows along the road trimmed back. I'm talking about the actual removal of yeah. 500 metres of hedgerow, completely gone, fields made bigger, all that hedgerow, all that wildlife corridor gone. I mean, you can trim the hedgerows uh, in the off-season, and indeed there are special cases. There's always a special derogation, isn't there, in Ireland, for trimming a hedge if, if you can't yeah. see past it on the road, if it grows too much in July or August. I mean, people have to be protected indeed. But, I mean, if, it, if they're managed properly between September and February, they won't be growing all over the road in the summer. Okay. So, Anna, finally, what's the solution to us being so far down the rankings of the 10 countries uh, that they looked at? How can we climb up? Well, by, by obviously having devising more site-specific conservation objectives. That's what this particular thing is looking at. We have all of these special areas of, of special areas of, I mean, you know, special amenity areas for birds, and we don't have these planned, these conservation objectives for them. But in lots of cases, they have gen- generic ones, and I mean, how can you actually have, have a, a conservation objective for, for, for bull rock or something, which is just out in the sea, the birds come or the birds don't come? I mean, there's wonderful, wonderful objectives for, say, somewhere like where the, where the, um, the terns are those roseate turns off, you know, where the wardens go out and live on Rockabill Island all summer to protect them, or places like Paltrae where they actually protect the turns by having people there all summer monitoring them. So, so they mean, the, the places where they can do things, they are doing things. Some places, it isn't, it isn't the cause of the, the breeding yeah. habitat that's causing the decline, as I was saying about the puffins, for example. So um, more money to the department, I'm sure, would be welcome. They could employ more staff. All right, Anne and Lilana, thank you very much uh, for joining us on the line. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.